When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Denver Sports Podcast, presented by DraftKings, the king of sportsbooks, here with two giants of the Denver sports scene, two guys who are one man and in some ways cover three different teams and cycles, and we love them for it, and there's a lot of excitement on the college ranks. Um, the likes of which I don't think we've seen in a little while, though. La- certainly last winter was very nice for college hoops. Of course, I'm talking about Buffs, Rams. I've got Jake Schwanitz, Justin Michael on the show. Um, so just just wanted to do a fun little end of 2022 recap of all the great recruiting stuff that's going on. Look forward to some college hoops. Have some fun with it. Justin, how are you doing, my friend? Doing good, man. Like you said, it's an intriguing time in college sports, CSU and CU recruiting on a level that we kind of haven't seen in quite some time. And uh, basketball's been fun too. So there's there's a lot to keep up with. It's chaotic. I think we both could catch up on some sleep here, but we got to keep keep this rolling. This is what it's all about, especially as we get into the playoff season. Yeah, Jake, you drove in from Utah only to catch a pretty epic win against Stanford by the Buffs last night, just to piggyback off the uh, doing a lot of things all at once and needing more sleep that Justin's mentioning. Yeah, I mean, I thought I timed my my, uh, day out perfectly to arrive in Denver and just cover this game, no problem, relax, maybe watch some basketball. No, I spent an extra hour and a half on the road and showed up with nine minutes to go in the second half, so... It was fun though. What route did you take? Did you go north through Wyoming or did you come west through the no. western slope? <laughs> yeah, I took I seventy and bro, I <laughs> it was clear the whole way. And then it's like I got through Grand Junction, I got through the majority of the thing, then all of a Man. sudden my phone ETA just it went up as I was driving in and I was just like, Oh no, this is an awful sign. And I, what was I supposed to do at that point? There's only one right. way to go at that moment in time. So those headlights, it's a horrifying sight. I, I had to drive back from the Western slope as well. Girlfriend's parents live out there Oof. about 30 miles from the Utah border. So I understand it. You're going, you're mobbing. Then all of a sudden you just come to a stop for no reason. If you're not confident enough to drive in the mountains without going 20 miles an hour on a clear day, Maybe, yeah, maybe take, take an Uber. That's all I'm going to say on that one. <laughs> I was just curious. Let's let's get into the stuff that actually matters on this pod. Yeah, man. Western Slopes driving. No joke as a Western grad. I know that. But yes, Justin, we're all very proud of the shout out you got from Coach Jay Norvell on your breakdown of that Rams recruiting class. Um, on three has them as the second highest ranked recruiting class in the Mountain West. They, this is back to back years with four star recruits. Am I correct in that? 
Yeah, they're doing a great job. I mean, technically, it was transfers last year. They got a couple of transfers in uh, Clay Millen and Aiden yeah. Hector, both and, and Chigose and Uziam, all of which were four stars coming out of high school. This year, they actually pulled an ESPN top 300 recruit, though, and Damian Henderson, really athletic running back out of Los Alamitos High School, took an official visit to CU, um, had a ton of Pac-12 interest, but kudos to the staff. He was one of the guys that they offered as soon as they got hired. And that's kind of a a big trend with this this class for CSU. It was a lot of high school guys that CSU began recruiting immediately. Last year they had to sign so many transfers to basically field a competitive team, kind of kind of like the position that CU is in uh, this year. And I do think CU will lean on the transfer portal more, like going forward, than CSU will though. But they, they they've just been able to do a really nice job of establishing you know, the roster, at least the future of it, obviously you got to keep these guys on campus in the ever-changing, you know, transfer NIL world. But they did a really solid job. A lot of multi-sport athletes. These guys run track, a lot of three-sport athletes. I think it's an approach that's going to work well for CSU. And it's kind of a, a similar approach that schools like Utah and, and Oregon State have taken in the Pac-12. Just try and find really athletic guys, figure out a role and coach them up and develop them. And Hopefully it leads to some success. That was a long-winded point there. Hopefully that all made sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, God, I love that on three has like speculative NIL values for every single recruit on here. Like just holy cow. Um, the future is amazing. And it's been amazing to see both schools kind of embrace this NIL era and um you know, just like lean into what they are. So yeah, Damian Henderson, any other headliners you kind of want to highlight on this uh, recruiting class beyond the the kid from LA with uh, offers from Oregon, Arizona, and Washington? Yeah, they also signed Justin Marshall. He's another running back out of Merrillville, Indiana, had interest throughout the Big Ten really athletic guy. I think they're going to kind of move him all over the field. I could see him playing some slot receiver. I think they're going to get him involved out of the backfield. The big thing for this class was that they got speed at running back. They got some size in the offensive line and and they added some talent at the tight end position because when Mm. you look at Nevada's offense, obviously it's easy to, you know, look at the Romeo dubs of the world and the talent that they have at receiver. Cole Turner and his role in attacking the middle of the field was really huge. It opened up everything. CSU didn't have any of that last year. And it's, it's not a shot at Tanner Arkin, a guy who ended up signing with Illinois after transferring out. I think he's going to be a talented tight end, but they were able to go out and get some size and speed at the position that I think is just going to translate better in this air raid offense. And when you look at that and, and then the running back talent that they have, Mm-hmm. I just think it's going to make you a lot more versatile with the way that you can attack defenses last year. It was just a lot of, you know, oh, Tory Horton on, you know, a vertical route. You can only do that so much if you're not, you know, having success in the screen game and attacking up the seam. I really like the talent that they added at receiver at tight end. And then defensively, I'll, I'll just shout out the defensive ends because I think yeah. the, the guys that they were able to bring in all have the size and athleticism to play pretty early on in their careers. And that's just not something we've seen with CSU in the past. They have not been able to get defensive linemen that are ready to go like day one. Mm-hmm. And I think a couple of these guys, Andrew Lorich, for instance, out of Yorkville, Illinois, could be a guy that plays on the interior or the outside. Really athletic, uh, really big, really fast. That's the that's the big trend with this class. 
and continuing the trend of kind of some some real talent in those trenches, those defensive trenches that the Rams have had the last couple of years, trying to replenish that as guys like, you know, Toby McBride and Scott Patchen and um, so on and so forth have, have kind of left Kamara, right, who was just outstanding. Most um, coming back, so that's huge for the, the future of the D-line. Just kind of coaching some of these guys up. Like, he's a guy I think that could potentially play his way you know, into the top three rounds of the NFL draft when you just look at how explosive he is off the snap. But just having him, you know, to mentor these guys and kind of show them the ropes, it's huge because he had that with the people you just mentioned and Scott Patchen and Toby McBride just continuing that lineage. Yeah. Um, And in year two, last year, maybe more like just throwing a wide net and seeing what you can catch. Now there seems to be a little more of a, you know, you're patching holes a little more of a linear, like roster building, roster construction um, right now, you know. Yeah, like you just, you need that foundation. Like obviously the transfers are great and hopefully you can hit on them and they can kind of, you know, plug some some holes here and there. Offensive line, um, Dallin Holker, tight end from BYU that was projected to be one of their leading contributors. He should be pretty solid from day one. But it's, you know, moving forward, if you're going to have success as a program like CSU that, you know, let's be real, does not have the money to just throw out all these top transfers like CU is kind of currently doing. You have to be able to establish primarily from the high school and build the foundation that way. You know, you land a guy here or there, you bring in an Aiden Hector who comes in and contributes, but you've still got to be able to, you know, recruit and sign your Jack Howells, your Henry Blackburns of the world, because you're just not going to be able to hit consistently enough in the transfer portal when you don't have the NIL money to throw at established four and five star guys like USC, like Oregon and like what CU is trying to do with, with Dion now. Yeah. And you on the other hand are in year one, we should mention national early national signing day just occurred. What a week ago, 10 days ago, 23rd. Yep. Yeah. Um, so a lot of these classes are already locked in, but there's still work to be done, um, to sign more high school recruits. And then the transfer portals open for a while there, which, uh, really adds a nice little caveat to this, but you, Jake are adjusting to year one, first time head coach, or I mean, first time, you know, new hired head coach and hitting the ground running on the recruiting trail, a top eight class in the pack 12 right now. Um, there's definitely been some headline signings. It's obviously like a completely different era where Coach Prime and his staff are leaning into this NIL era completely. And on top of that, he just has a different sort of sway with kids and recruits and a real knack for that. So um, what were your biggest takeaways from the last week and maybe things to look forward to here? Um, well, my biggest takeaway is on the transfer side, not the recruiting side. Um, yeah. and it's just been a huge issue for CU the last few years. So my favorite stat right now is so far CU has gotten 16 transfers to come into the program under coach prime. Um, the last two years combined, they only brought in 12 players. So wow. you're seeing oh that, God. that institutional, yeah, that huge change that, a lot of fans were looking for and that the university needed. Um, it's all coming into place. So this gives them, this is according to 247, they're number four in the transfer class right now. Uh, obviously, Travis Hunter, the number one player in the portal, he's going to be at CU, so that bumps their class up a ton. Shador is going to bump their class up a ton there. 
On the recruiting side, though, it's been, I mean, we're seeing a lot of what we already kind of knew about Coach Prime, and that's his pull with the skill position players. Uh, their top three recruits, uh, Dylan Edwards, running back, O'Marion Miller, wide receiver, Adam Hopkins, wide receiver. Um, they've just been able to flip some of these guys and go in and get uh, some true difference makers and some skill guys on the outside. Seen a lot of people like concerned about the trenches and how they're attacking those, but they have got, I think, three uh, Juco transfer linemen to come in. Um, let me pull up his name. Landon Beebe from Missouri State was a three-star transfer prospect this year. Uh, he's coming in. They got Tyler Brown, who I believe was the center for JSU. Um, he's coming over. So they've kind of hit all areas. They've gotten linebackers through the portal. They got, um, let me get his first name. His last name is Bentley, which is amazing. Uh, um, but he's from Clemson, former four-star recruit. Right, right. They've uh, gotten a Jackson, yeah, Jackson State linebacker. Um, they got their tight end, Seydou Treor, uh, from Arkansas State. So while they aren't like trenches specifically, they're, you know, box players. So they still still are kind of addressing those needs. Um, but that's kind of always been Dion's thing anyway. He's going to get the skill guys. It's all about building in the trenches with him um, and just trying to complete the team because he can do it on the outside. Yeah, some really intriguing talent being added um, to the squad. And I mean, of course, you've got some coaching changes that have been going on. Um, you know, check out Jake's film room on new offensive coordinator, Sean Lewis and his offense. Um, obviously, some guys with some real background on the defensive side to to close out the staff and um you know, Jake just mentioned him on a first name basis, but maybe people uh, who aren't locked into the buffs as much should wear Sanders. Dion's son is uh, taking over at quarterback was introduced as much in the opening presser, which a bit a bit uh, unconventional, maybe some tampering going on there. But no one cares with Dion. Um and and so why would we 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 just laugh? But uh, Shadur at Jackson State, like Travis Hunter and some of these other guys, highly touted recruits coming out of school and then sticking with Dion, and now them making that step to um to to Boulder, you know, taking that next step to Boulder. So it'll be really intriguing. I think year one is going to be really really interesting because as you found Justin, like you know, all these names look good. But then when they're actually on the field learning a new scheme and everything, I mean, it's it's tough to make that immediate change and that, you know, everything to pay off in, in immediate dividends. And, it, you know, it might take a while for the for things to get going. Um, I thought we saw a change in the Rams team once the conference schedule got going, you know, things got a little better there. Um, so I wonder if that'll happen with CU as well. Of course, Matt Rule and Nebraska come into town might complicate the uh the patience algorithm on this whole thing but um it's a new era man it's really exciting and i want to get into some predictions other stuff to look forward to coming up and what have you but first i want to tell you that new year's is coming up and that means college football bowl season the best time 
to bet on college football, national semifinals, all the New Year's Six Bowls, um, and new users right now at DraftKings Sportsbook can bet $5 on a pregame money line bet on any college football team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's on top of all the amazing bonuses, boosts, the app that's incredible. Everything that DraftKings Sportsbook offers to their new and existing customers. Download that DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use that code DMVR. New customers place a $5 pregame money line bet on college football team to win and get $150. If your team does, that's code DMVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. We also want to talk to you about the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to mm-hmm. score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. That, of course, is game time. Have you ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you never thought you could? 50-yard line, courtside, behind home plate. Maybe it's floor seats at a concert that you want. It's all possible with the game time app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you never thought you could buy. Maybe it's a random Tuesday night. You don't have anything going on. The Nuggets are at home. Hop on Game Time. You're always going to find the best deal because you're not going to find a better deal anywhere than you do with Game Time. It was created by the fans for the fans, and they guarantee the lowest price. They'll even match it if you can find something lower somewhere else. If you love DNDR, yeah, you're going to love Game Time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app. Score the best seats to all your favorite events. Okay. Um... Justin, transfer wise, anyone that we need to mention from this cycle, any important dates that you're looking forward to um, for the final signing day, which comes up in when, when's that? When's that? February first, uh, about a month. Yeah, right, right, early February. Um, yeah, what's yeah beyond college hoops, which I also want to get into. What are you looking forward to on the football side here for for this winter? Yeah, CSU is still in the mix. They've got five open scholarships that they can fill either between, you know, I mean, maybe they fill them on National Signing Day. Maybe they wait until uh, after spring ball when there's bound to be more transfers heading into the summer. A couple of guys to keep an eye on. They're in the mix for multiple transfer wide receivers from Mountain West schools. Josh Kelly of Fresno State, um, Kyle Williams of UNLV, Josh Cobbs of Wyoming, all still on the market, all still being recruited hard by CSU, all would be great fits in the air raid. They're still in on some offensive and defensive line guys as well. Uh, Michigan State defensive uh, tackle recently posted about an offer from CSU, drawn a blank on his name, so I apologize there. Keep up with all of it. Um, I've got a transfer tracker. I've got a recruiting update. I'll talk about it every day on the podcast, throw some names, but the big ones are are definitely those Mountain West wide receivers because they're impactful. We've already seen they can do it in this league. Similarly to Torrey Horton, they could come over yeah. and, and right from the get go, you know, be able to to start from day one in the Mountain West. Uh, the the biggest transfer that CSU signed this cycle, in my opinion, Dallin Holker, tight end from BYU. He's older, obviously served a two year mission, played multiple years in that system. But he's a guy that just brings you some much-needed life experience. It's it's a tight end room that has a bunch of freshmen and, and sophomores at, at best. That's a position where it's kind of hard to translate from day one. Just the strength you know, of the linebackers, the speed of the defensive backs, everything just goes up a level than what you're used to seeing at the high school level. Having a guy like him who's already produced for a major program 
it's big because like I said, CSU has got to be able to attack the middle of the yeah. field much more consistently yeah. than they did last year. If they ever want this offense to really get rolling and, and to put up the type of points that they're capable of. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, additions in the trenches, I feel like are kind of key. That O-line has been Ooh, a mess it was the worst in the country. While. I mean, yeah. there, there's no holding back punches there. They were absolutely awful last year. You have to hit on these transfers it's kind of tough forecasting which one of these guys is going to play yeah. until we actually see them in spring ball and be like, all right, like, yes, this guy had 24 starts at Lamar, you know, is Drew Moss going to be able to come right. in and, you know, contend for a spot day one. We shall see. Unfortunately, uh, the track record has not been great on transfer offensive linemen for CSU these past couple of years, yeah. but they did hit on a couple of guys from Nevada, Jacob Gardner, especially uh, they're really high on Aaron Karras, who is originally from Pomona High School, signed with Nevada, transferred over with Norvell. Wouldn't surprise me if he ends up being in contention for starting tackle this year. So there, there's a couple of young guys to keep your eyes on as well. But as as Dre said, these transfers in the offensive line, they've got to hit. Or frankly, it's not going to matter how much talent they have at the skill position or how much arm talent Clay Millen has. Yeah, man. I mean, it's something Jake and I have talked about with... Like just in an NIL heavy world, you that's going to be the biggest challenge is developing in the trenches and especially developing O-linemen. Because once those guys are developing them when you do, because well, they're always going to yeah. be re-recruited by these bigger schools. Yeah, that's true, though. I do feel like O-linemen are built a little different. Like once those guys get rolling and start getting some starts under the belt, that it's that's a harder situation to leave than most, I think. Yeah, you want to be with the guy. I mean, just that familiarity and establishing right. rapport is so hard. Like, if you have a good situation and you, you, the guys, you know, you trust next to you, it's it's only going to help you. Right, exactly. Um, Jake, you you must hear um, Justin talk about how many scholarships CU, CSU has left and uh, think that must be nice because while you could throw out numbers, it seems like that roster is very much in flux and will be for a little while here. Yeah. I mean, I keep getting that question from the fans. Just, <laughs> I mean, how many scholarships are we at? How much can we sign more guys? And it's like, yes and no at the same time, like they're already up to the scholarship limit now, but as we saw last year with the Rams and Justin's um, situation, once we kind of get into, you know, spring ball, we get into the off season fully, even when the season starts, more guys are going to enter the portal and get out of there. Um, so it's, it's a whole process this first entire year. I think uh, this roster makeover, we won't really have a clear idea of what Dion actually wants to do with this team until next December, I think. Um, but there's still guys out there that, <clears throat> that are in the conversation and could become buffs. Um, just looking through some of the top transfer player portal players, Dante Cephas was one of Kent State's best receivers. Obviously, Sean Lewis's offense. He remains uncommitted, um, although he's leaning Penn State according to how many three. wide receivers are they gonna have? My God, this is like some well, Kevin Sumlin at quarterback type stuff. Like uh, he and. Dion and uh, George Payton need to go to like uh, a position anonymous and George Payton, a little cornerback rehab, a little wide receiver rehab for Dion. My goodness. Well, the thing with CU and the wide receivers is they went through a lot this year, just 
a lot of things went wrong. Um, I don't need to tell that's not breaking news here, but especially in that wide receiver room, uh, Chase soul was a freshman who was expected to play a lot. He went down early in the season. Um, Daniel Arias had his struggles throughout the year. was like demoted the special teams gunner at a certain point. And it wasn't until Jordan Tyson tore his ACL that they brought uh, Daniel Arias back to wide receiver. Um, Chase Penry was another guy that got hurt early on. And then RJ Sneed, he comes in from Baylor. He's expected to kind of be the guy for CU last year. He dealt with injuries. He was disappointing. So they need wide receiver depth, man. And, um, Coach Prime has really gone after that. There's other guys in the port. There's another corner, Smoke Bowie uh, from A&M. He was a four-star recruit in last year's cycle. He's still available. He visited CU a couple weekends ago. Smoke uh, Bowie. Sam McCall. Let's make that happen. Yeah. <laughs> we, we need Smoke Bowie in Boulder. <laughs> come on now. Uh, Sam McCall, a safety, a four-star safety from Florida State, is still in the portal. He's actually tight with Cormani McLean, who is the second overall recruit in this year's class, who was supposed to sign at the U on uh, that early signing day period. He goes, nope, I'm actually not signing. I'm going to push my recruitment all the way to the limit in February. Um, and a lot of we've heard a lot of CU and potentially Cormani McLean stuff. Um, Trey Sanders, the former Alabama running back, no relation to Coach Prime. He's still in the portal. He was a five-star player. Um, how much time do we have here? I can keep going through these uh, names. Yeah, it's uh, it's open season, huh? And uh, Coach Prime and the it, Buffs, yeah. they're they're coming. I guess that's that's what you're trying to tell us here, Jake. That's what they say. Oh, that's what they say. <laughs> indeed. That's that's great. Um, Bold predictions for this college football season extremely early before you even know how many scholarships are available and how many rosters. Justin, why don't you start us off? Maybe a uh, recruiting bold prediction and then where you would set this uh, win total uh, for the Rams. Recruiting bold prediction, CSU signs one to two of those uh Mountain West receivers that I mentioned, I'd be pretty surprised if they don't land any of them. They're in the mix with all of them. Probably not going to happen in terms of landing all three. Yeah. Um, they're just going to have too many opportunities. Guys want right. the ball. Right. I do think that they will land at least one win total. I think you probably realistically have to set it at what it was last year. If if we're doing it, like what Vegas will set it at, which is probably about five and a half. Are you a bowl team or not? Yeah. They have not been a bowl team since 2017. I think that's a fair goal to shoot for. Yes. I think the hope is that you can kind of be even better than six and six, you know, maybe win seven, eight, nine games, mm-hmm. you know, finally, you know, beat Wyoming, you know, air force, the, these top yeah. Mountain West schools that they've really struggled with. Um, but it's it's going to be interesting. You play a really challenging non-conference slate. They open against Washington State at home. They obviously go to CU. I will say I'm not. I don't even want to get into that game yet. But I like the spot CSU's in. Having that game be um, two weeks removed from Washington State as it's currently stand, they would have a bye in between that. CU would be one week removed from hosting Nebraska. I don't know. I think you're in a good spot there. Maybe they overlook the Rams a little bit. We'll see. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm just glad we have that game again. But the the hope has got to be to return to the postseason. And I think the expectation should be with a quarterback who's, you know, proven he can run the system. You have a ton of talent on defense that's all coming back. You've got guys at the skill positions. 
it comes down to the O-line. If the O-line is better, they will be a good team. If the O-line struggles again, who knows? It's a crapshoot. Jake, recruiting bold predictions? Um, I don't even know if there is a bold prediction when you're dealing right. with Coach Prime in this situation. Right, um, right. I guess you, if I had to throw one, I would say Kamari you could say, becomes a buff. Right, you could say anything, and it would feel like a mild prediction. Like, um, Right, exactly. Caleb Williams transferring. Yeah, right. Short of like Caleb Williams transferring to CU, I think everything yeah. feels on the table, whether that's fair or not. Um, I'm also guessing that with all this hype there, win total number will be higher than last year, which was like three and a half. Oh man, I th- I think that's what it was, but it was. I wouldn't be surprised if there's places that had it at two and a half too. Um, this yeah. year though, I don't know what to expect, man. I think you start off right. at the five and a half mark for bowl eligibility, but I think the hype is going to be pretty insane, and yeah. I think that people are going to see just all these new pieces coming in. I mean, I don't know how high can we go here? Eight and a half. Is that too high? I mean, you'd probably smash the under at that. Point, it is too seven high. And a half feels like right. a solid one. Uh-huh. Seven and a half feels a little more like Kentucky and Iowa won seven games this year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, like those, but, those were deep. Those were pretty good teams at certain points of the, this season. Um, but yeah, I, I think USC right. and Oregon both bringing their quarterbacks back makes this a mm-hmm. really interesting situation. Washington too. You still got Utah. Washington's going to be great. Yeah, I mean, like if Cam Rising doesn't really declare, good. yeah, that if Cam Rising doesn't declare, it's stacked. Um, DJ Ugalele is going to be coming to Oregon State. Drew Pines coming to Arizona State. Uh, you know, Arizona's got a really talented quarterback like that. The Pac-12 is extremely competitive this season. I mean, their Pac-12 schedule next year is, it's not, I don't think it's as bad as it was this year. Um, You skip Washington this next season, but you get USC at home. You have to go to Oregon. You have to go to Autzen Stadium to play the Ducks. You have to go on the road to play UCLA, go on the road to play Utah. Uh, Washington State is not going to be an easy out. You have to go on the road and play them. Also, um, you do have Stanford on the schedule. You do have Arizona, um, Arizona State. So I think those are three games that you look at and you say you have to win these. Uh, same with Nebraska and same with CSU. So, I mean, you if that all goes ideally, that's at five. Um, maybe you pull it out against Washington State. This Oregon State game, they get them in Folsom. But, man, that team with DJ now, uh, I really don't know what to expect. Um, Dre, we talked about this yesterday on the Buff Show. But Oregon State, I mean, with Gold Branson, they they were winning games with him completing like six passes in a game sometimes. It was truly just like bottom-of-the-barrel quarterback play. And it makes me – it's one of those things where it's like it can't possibly get worse. But as we've seen a lot often in college football and pro football, things can get worse. They can get worse, um, yeah. And DJ had some stinkers last year, so – in theory, they should have better quarterback play, but Oregon State is uh, who knows what we're going to get next year. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, I think Coach Prime's um, chops as a recruiter are already c- cannot be questioned. I mean, those are those are the recruiting chops of like a, a top twenty coach in the nation. That's probably a conservative estimate. 
Um, mm-hmm. What he really showed at Jackson State that I think is maybe underrated is the kind of program builder and um, like just like like vibes manager that he could be in a really quick turnaround and how like, at, you know, he can bring in uh, overqualified coaches to coach under him. And those haven't seemed to create issues. Uh, high end players who could be prima donnas and other scenarios. That doesn't seem to have been an issue. Obviously everything's being taken to a next level. And I think more than anything, their immediate success in 2023 will really be determined of how can he make this team gel? What kind of a program builder and like vibes curator is he right off the bat to keep everyone positive, everyone feeling good as you kind of work through you know, like playing football for the first time altogether. It's not easy, man. This is a, it's coordinated warfare. It's chess on grass. Like this is not easy to put a team together in, in an off season and then just go and execute up to the level of expectations or up to the level of the individual talent on a roster. So this is going to be a fascinating first year. I'm just really excited to feel like both institutions locally are finally dedicating the resources that college football in the state deserves and are going after coaches who seem to get it and have a plan for how to get there in this modern era of college football. That doesn't guarantee success. Everyone wants to spend buckets of money to be successful in college football, man. It's like when people tell me about U.S. soccer, it's like, yeah, well, there's all of the Middle East wants to be good at soccer, too. China wants to be good at soccer. Like Russia wants to be good at soccer. Like, welcome to the fight, man. Like this. Everyone wants to be good at this shit. It's not unique to you. So it's tough. It's competitive. It's uh, a lot of money being thrown around more than ever. But I'm I'm excited that it feels like. For the first time in a while, both these programs are actually are actually in the game and actually competing at the standard that the other tippy top programs in the country are competing at. And that, as someone who loves college football maybe more than any other sport, um, makes me really excited. And it's kind of why I uh, twisted both your arms to get you on this pod. So thank you. Yes, sir. Um, Nothing I'm better, gonna... man. Yeah. Yeah. Look at where we were last year, dude. Both of these teams. I mean, go. Do you remember the draft pod we did when realignment kind of came down when USC and UCLA said that they were leaving? I mean, it was, we were just all kind of throwing our hands up, going, well, Colorado schools are probably screwed. Like, and now it's just completely in the span of less than a calendar year and kind of flipped on its head. Yeah. Does help that Mountain West and Pac 12 seem a little more stable than they felt when we were doing that in, insanely enough, mm-hmm. you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's me like with, you know, just seeing everything through positively tinted glasses, or if that's a realistic take on all this, Justin. No, I think it's stable. I don't, I don't foresee any departures barring anything like crazy happening, you know, in the next year or two, we'll kind of see as some of these TV contracts. Yeah kind of play out but you're in a position where you have to hit if you're CU or CSU you have lollygagged for close to 15 years after 
I mean, if you just could have built on the success that both of these programs had in the 90s and early 2000s, like, oh, it's God. ridiculous that they have fallen this far. It, it doesn't make sense. It's great, as you said, that the schools are finally leaning into it. Our swag levels are off the charts. Like, if you're just looking at two cool head coaches, yeah. Jay Norvell and Deion Sanders, that might be like the best one two in the entire country, just in terms of like, <laughs> I'd like to hang out with those guys. I, I, I bet they yeah. would be fun to watch football with, to have a beer with. Yeah. I'm stoked. It's exciting. But I, I do want to just mention, like you said, Dre, having all of this come together and click immediately, it's a tough task. Like, even USC had their issues. Mm-hmm. Even more so than establishing continuity, I think the harder part when you're doing what CU did, and this is what CSU did as well, you're essentially trying to merge two locker rooms, like mm-hmm. players that have established relationships yeah. with the school versus players that have established relationships with these coaches. Ego gets involved. Even if you like the head coach, you might get out there and see like, hey, this isn't just working. I mean, that's why CSU had all the in-season departures, guys that initially were like, yeah, this is going to be great then you realize, hey, this isn't quite what I thought it would be. That's all a process. When you look at CU's schedule that first month, that could be kind of a, a challenging spot. I'm not saying any of this to be a hater. I think Dion was a great hire. I think you're recruiting great. All of that, just as somebody that experienced it on CSU's side and then watched everybody crown the Broncos champions and Russell Wilson MVP before he ever played it down. Let's just kind of, you know, remember they they still got to go out and do it. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm just excited, man. I'm just excited. That's why I wanted to do this with you guys. So thank you. Um, shout out to Breckenridge Brewery and their fun slinger lager. This stuff has been so fun to sip on during the holidays for me, man. Um, they've Breck Brew, the homies, have collaborated with Never Summer to release this newest beer, the Funslinger Lager. It's light. It's crushable. Um, it's just the kind of beer I like. Perfect for day out on the slopes, tailgating, or just watching some football at the DMVR bar or on your couch. Never Summer Snowboarding is based right here in Colorado, so you can't go wrong with the beer or the boards made with 100% renewable energy. Check out the beer locator at www.breckbrew.com to find a fun slinger near you. Highly recommend it. Um, And Jake, you're back. You're back in Colorado. And we all know the thing you missed the most was Illegal Pete's lunches. Absolutely. We are hyped to be teaming up with local legends, Illegal Pete's here at DMBR. Illegal Pete's is our go-to spot for burritos, buddies, and beers. It's also my go-to spot. It's probably what I'm going to get for lunch today because as Dre mentioned, I've been deprived <laughs> of my Illegal Pete's burrito goodness. Um be their endless option of fresh ingredients and the strongest margaritas around. Um, I think this is still valid, but Illegal Pizza is hooking you all up a little something extra this holiday season. Yeah. Spend $100 on gift cards and score an extra $25 for free. Shout out Illegal Pizza. I will see you very soon. Boom. There you go. That's the Jake Schwanitz guarantee right there. So, you know, you know, <laughs> you know, it's true. Um, he works with God fearing men now, so he cannot lie anymore. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm on fire today. Uh, on fire yeah. also the, the buffs. Uh, hoops program coming off a really nice win against Stanford last night. 
Um, and you know, college hoops kind of heating up as we enter the conference schedule in full right now. Um, I don't know if this is fair to say, but it's felt like a bit of a rocky first month or so for both oh, yeah. these programs that kind of geez spoiled us last year. Um, with some really some really good teams. Um, so how are you feeling about this Buffs team coming off that big win? against Stanford and uh, everything going forward. How's how's Tad Boyle and the gang doing? Uh, they're very hyped up right now. KJ Simpson feels like he is taking that uh, responsibility as the guy for Colorado. Uh, put up 31 last night, a new season high. He had 30 against Texas A&M in that big upset earlier in the year. Um, as you alluded to, Dre, it was a rocky start. Uh, really, it goes back to that CSU game, though. That's when they started to kind of hit their stride. I mean, the schedule did lighten up around then. Uh, wins over CSU, but then it was North Alabama, North Colorado, Southern Utah. Um, some good teams, some gritty teams um, in kind of those mid-major conferences. But this win last night was huge. Um, Stanford was a team projected to kind of finish with the buffs in the middle of the Pac-12 um, they've kind of been disappointing this year. I think they're five and eight on the season right now. Um, they shot out of their minds from the free throw line. I think it was like they didn't miss any shots until like less than five minutes ago in the second half. They ended up finishing, I believe it was like 15 to 17 from the line. Um, that's really what kept them in this game. But KJ Simpson just seems like he's finally making the leap that uh, this team needs they need that guy that can go get you a bucket in clutch time and he was the guy last night he put up the the bucket that got them uh, out in front by a point um, just mixing it up right under the hoop three guys way bigger than him he just goes up there like a dog and lays it in um, they've been exciting they had some injuries that they were dealing with last week but they were able to get through uh, with some wins so I, I'm feeling good about where this team is as they head into conference play it's a fairly young group. Do you feel like they're kind of turning a corner here and maybe a poise for a big second half? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think they still need to figure some things out. Tristan De Silva was kind of getting hot during that uh, win streak against those smaller schools. He wasn't as impactful last night. Lawson Lovering, their center, had his best game of the season last night. Luke O'Brien came in, had his best game of the season last night also. Um, Neat Clifford has struggled throughout the year, to put it lightly, but he seems to have these games every now and then where he's able to, you know, put up double digit points, uh, grab some boards. So, yeah, I mean, it's about as good as things can be at this point in the season. Uh, you get Cal tomorrow night. That's also on the road. Um, but then it just they hit the ground rolling after that. They get Oregon after that, Oregon State after that, then USC, UCLA. Um, it's gonna we're gonna find out really quickly if this team has actually matured enough over the last two weeks or so to to make a statement and to make some noise in the Pac-12. Interesting, Justin. On the other hand, the Rams. Um, I kind of felt like they started the season off and were able to withstand Isaiah Stevens being out. Um, and these last few games have kind of been some weird ones, like really nice upset of St. Mary's. And then, you know, maybe some to be expected losses to USC and a ranked New Mexico team. Yeah, they just, 
they they have not had very much roster continuity from the start of the season. They're currently missing three guards right now, all of which play 25 plus minutes a night. And you're having to lean on guys that in an ideal scenario would not be playing more than, you know, two, three minutes of garbage time. And yeah. we've seen it. You know, I, I think if they have Jalen Lake, if they have Josiah Strong, they might pull out that game in USC because it was there for the taking. When you look at the final score, they lost by nine, but it was a much mm-hmm. closer game than that. They were going toe-to-toe in the second half. Trojans UNM, only favored like by CU. like two. Yeah, it was a good game. I mean, they yeah. were in it. Um, Vegas and the metrics still give CSU a lot of respect just because Isaiah Stevens is back. Some of the experience that they have on their roster, they just got to get healthy because the Mountain West is going to be an absolute gauntlet this year. You have New Mexico and San Diego State who are both legitimate top 25 teams. Yeah, but I mean, when like Wyoming with Graham Ike and Hunter Maldonado are one of the bottom teams in your conference, that kind of yeah. gives you an idea of of what you're up against. So they've they've got to figure it out. They have not been consistent enough defensively when they played well, like they did at St. Mary's, like they did against uh, Loyola, some of these other good teams. It was because they played lockdown defense. But they have a you know a lot of young and inexperienced guys, guys that are making a jump from you know D two. And they just, they haven't really figured that out yet. Like, yes, you can score, but if you don't play, you know, defense consistently at this level for 40 straight minutes, it's right. not going to matter. I do think they're going to be a much more dangerous team come March than they are right now, just because the state of the roster and when they get some of these guys back. But yeah, I mean, they're, they look like a team that lost a first round draft pick in David yeah. Roddy. Yeah. And I mean, the Mountain West player of the year. Um, so, is this kind of a disappointment with like where we felt the trajectory of the program was like just last season um, or it's just kind of been a fluky non-conference play and we can really start seeing who this team really is in a couple months. For that, I mean, it's kind of all a matter of perspective because the reality is, is this program was built really to be the powerhouse this year. Like it was all built for Isaiah Stevens and David Roddy in year four to kind of like take over and have that transcendent type season. You got the NCAA tournament experience last year after making an NIT run the year before that. It didn't end up playing out that way. Then you lose a couple of other guys to the portal. You know, you just, you don't have great size. I would say that CSU has had a couple of more a disappointing performances than we're used to seeing just in terms of getting run off the floor, like in Boulder. I thought that was a really, right. maybe the most disheartening performance of the Medved era, not because they got their butts kicked, but just the body language and the way they kind of laid down in it. At the same time, when you factor in the fact that they lost Roddy, that Stevens is, is trying to come back from a broken foot, yeah. but they're trying to figure out this roster continuity without three of their most important players in the rotation. I don't really think that's fair to come up here and be like, man, this team sucks. Like what a disappointment because it's, they're doing about as well as you could expect given the circumstance and given the schedule that they're playing. We'll see. I mean, you know, if they can kind of work through some of these issues, as long as they're in the mix, I think most people will be happy at the end of the year. There's always going to be some knuckleheads that, you know, come out and, you know, oh, Medved's underachieving. I talked about it on the pod yesterday. I was like, you know, if you're already trying to run Medved, out of town, you're a moron. You don't understand one, the fact that he's single-handedly basically built this program, taking them to new heights recruiting wise, but two, like they're winning on a level that just has not happened 
at least historically, like historically CSU is not a great basketball school. They had a run in the eighties. They had a three year window with 10 miles. And then you have the Medved era. That's it. So yes, you know, they're, they're not competing at the level that we saw last year. That's how it goes. You know, you have kind of a transition year. Maybe you can make some noise in March. Plus 5,000 to win the mountain West. We feeling good about that. Is that worth a sprinkle? It may, I mean, it could be worth a sprinkle. I mean, I, I, at this point, I would say New Mexico is where I would put my money just because I think San Diego State will be the favorite. And I think New Mexico is probably the, the most likely team that could make a run in the tournament. But yeah, I, I, I don't foresee it being a championship year for CSU unless Isaiah Stevens can just kind of elevate this team and really put them on his back, which he's talented enough to do so. But it's more just how much I respect the other teams in the Mountain West and the level of competition that you're going to have to face. Fair enough. Um, I'll be excited, though. I mean, it's going to be some some entertaining Pac-12 and Mountain West hoops to watch here in 2023. He's Jake Schwanitz, Justin Michael. Follow them. Follow DMVR Buffs, DMVR Rams, all their great coverage. It never sleeps. Um, and I'm just so proud Neither of these guys. I. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. Um, thanks, fellas. Thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook for presenting this here podcast. We will catch you next year.